Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Autosport Podcast. We review the Hong Kong Formula E round and explain how Eduardo Mortara won what seemed to be Sandbird's race. Sam Bird won the 50th ABB FIA Formula E Championship E-Prix in Hong Kong, or at least he did, until he was hit with a time penalty for hitting the rear of Andre Lotterer while chasing him for the lead on the penultimate lap. I'm your host, Ed Straw, joining me from Hong Kong to try and unravel exactly what went on. Uh, first is Alex Kalinorkas. Now, we're recording this a little bit later than originally anticipated, so I guess that's a sign it's been one of those evenings for you when you've been chasing stewards around trying to understand what's going on. Hello Ed, yes, um, I mean the time zone is very good for you because it's what, uh, 10 to 4 in the UK, it's just approaching uh, midnight here in Hong Kong, so we are very nearly the day after the race took place. Um, we actually still don't have a final result, which is a bit frustrating. Um, the, uh, the penalty has been applied, Sam Bird has officially lost his win, uh, he got a 5 second time penalty for giving Lotterer that puncture as you say on the penultimate lap, and Venturi's Eduardo Mortara is now the new race winner. That won't change, that is not what's uh, under... under, under that's not what is continuing to make this provisional. Uh, what we understand is that there is a penalty, there's a protest slash appeal process still being heard. As we, as we speak, we haven't had any updates since we left the track um, a little while ago to go get some food. Um, 
it 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 revolves around birds and whether he's going to get more of a penalty or it would just stay the same uh, it's not the virgin team that are appealing that the decision that's been handed down is not subject to appeal so uh, yeah bird has lost his win it was a shame it was a great drive uh, it's a shame for lotterer as well they both you know it was a it was a two horse race really no one else was was in was in the class with them uh, and yeah dramatic ending very always you know typical formula e in, in many ways but yeah i think it uh, ever so slightly spoiled the result there well we'll talk a little bit more about that incident which is obviously the the key to the race in a moment but i should just introduce uh, the second guest tom errington Tom, I presume you've you've had one of those normal evenings where you've sort of charged from the track, demolished some very unhealthy food, probably that was all you could find uh, late on, and then uh, charging here. So, are you are you raring to go for the podcast, or are you floundering as is the the standard thing when it's this time? We quite often do our F one race podcasts at this sort of time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you sound like a man who's also experienced this himself, but yeah, standard fare is leave very very late, have bad food, be very very tired when you do the last few jobs, and then crash heavily. Mm. And we uh, we actually we actually nearly got trapped in the establishment where we ate because they were restocking their uh, their bread their buns that mm. the, 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 you yeah. know there was just lots of boxes of bread blocking the what we later established was a fire exit uh, that we had walked in but anyway we you know we got <laughs> out eventually so it's fine yeah. yeah I like the idea of some kind of Hong Kong bread blockade that's a, that's a new one I've never in, never encountered that it was kind quite of thing the before. blockade yeah yeah <laughs> Let, okay let's let's get back to what happened in the race I guess we should before talking about the incident talk about what happened to get up there because it was as you said a great drive from from sam bird with perhaps one exception well two exceptions i guess yeah one being one being the collision and the other being the mistake he made but he also um barged his way past Lotterer quite early on didn't he at the chicane yeah they actually collided at turn one uh, Lotterer and Bird Bird had gone got down, the, down the outside he said in the press conference that he'd studied uh, a previous race starts here in Hong Kong and thought that that was a good route to take but as he did so he sort of just did a glancing blow on the DS to cheetah car of Lotterer on the way through and then as you say he come got alongside on the run to the hairpin uh, and forced his way by it was quite a uh, quite a forceful move but obviously completely completely within the rules and he was able to uh, then get after Stoffel van Dorn move up to second place chase down uh, chase down early leader Oliver Rowland who again started in qualifying um, as the van Dorn you've got pole position um, then, uh, then the race was suspended. We had a red flag because uh, Felipe Nazar went into the wall at turn two and was hit by both Mahindras, or well, D'Ambrosio hit into Verline. So a terrible day for the former championship leaders uh, in both the drivers and teams there. Um, race was suspended, uh, got underway. They reset the clock and uh, and Roland led, led them away. And then I think he was, uh, he, he, you know, they all took their attack mode. And then as they went through the turn one hairpin, uh, suddenly Roland slowed. There was there was shock. I actually, I actually missed it. I was looking down at my notes. I had to ask Tom. So I was like, Roland's Roland's gone. I was like, oh, what's happened there? And uh, he hadn't retired or anything. He was still going. He lost about eight seconds. What it transpired was was that Bird had, at, had very very lightly touched him at, at, at the turn one hairpin, and uh, because it's so tight, Roland had sort of taken his hands off the wheel, which is which fairly common practice there. But as he did so, he knocked the full course yellow button. So his car went was limited to fifty kilometers an hour, uh, and he said that he was pressing all these buttons. He activated the pit lane speed limiter, and he just he couldn't he couldn't get it back to to where he needed to until he dropped down to to the lower, heart, lower, lower parts of the top 10. Once he did so, he was able to carry on racing, unfortunately, then got into a collision with Daniel Apt later on, they clashed, uh, and then eventually a suspension problem when Roland said, I think he'd, oh, I'd hit everyone in the field practically, and, uh, and that's the, the car, he <laughs> couldn't take it anymore. Um, but yeah, so very unfortunate there, there was no, there was no animosity from Roland about the, about the bird uh, tap, he just said, you know, it's one of those things, these cars were able to withstand that, and he just unfortunately glanced, uh, glanced the button there. Uh, so yeah, so that's how Bird got up into the lead, and then uh, as you alluded to, there was, uh, I think he was in the lead for one lap. And then as he comes into the to the ninety degree right at turn two, it's went in too deep. Lotter nipped up the insides, and it was a, it was a chase from there really until the final lap. 
Yeah, it was one of those those really great races where you had two drivers there in a class of their own because they, they pulled away quite quickly, really going at it hammer and tongs. And there was that feeling there could be something happening anytime. There were a few nudges from Bird, weren't there? And then I guess the, the key one was, was on the penultimate lap. So maybe, Tom, if you talk through that incident and then we can decide who we, who we blame for it. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those uh, races, a great example of you don't need a race to have tons of overtaking to be exciting. Having a driver do a you know, great defensive masterclass, someone who knows how to try and unsettle a driver, putting pressure on the energy stakes, Bird's uh, able to get Lotter to use sort of 3 or 4% more and really put the pressure on that way. And then when it came down to the, the final incident, yeah, it, it just seemed to be one of those ones where difference of opinion, of course, where you had um, Bird believing that uh, Lotter had moved under braking. Lotter believing that um, Bird had basically used him as a braking tool and in reality it was, it's very tricky to decide. Was, we've had a lot of debate in the media centre, quite a few people have come over and given their opinion on it. Hmm. Um, certainly I would say Lotter, Lotter was ahead and had the track and he didn't seem to move too much into braking at all really, it looked a bit like a miscalculation from Bird and as we've seen with the rear of the car with the diffuser complexity and that sort of thing back there, if you get any of that bodywork loose it can cause quite a bit of damage and a puncture was the result mm-hmm. uh, Lotter also said he had suspension damage uh, for Nils then he said he knew straight away it was going to be it was punctured uh, but he tried to survive but unfortunately he couldn't um, the, stewards notes, the stewards noted when they gave Bird the five second penalty was that Lotter had, give, had left the car's width on the inside uh, and that's the reason why, why, he, why Bird was judged to be at fault It's an interesting one isn't it because when you get uh, an incident like that where, the, where it's kind of relatively like contact, but it has significant outcomes, should we say, in terms of the impact on the race. So I guess that was the big thing they were trying to balance up because without the puncture and the damage, it wouldn't really have, have been an issue. But it was interesting, wasn't it? Because you can argue it both ways. You could say, well, it's just racing or it was a or it was a bad move. But I think the most damning thing is obviously I saw it once live in the coverage. And then when they cut to speak to Bird on the slowdown lap, uh, in Coventry, you could see sort of Sam straight away getting in his kind of defence, as it were, and I thought, yeah, you you think you're done for here. And in fact, looking at his comments and your story, Alex, the, the news story about it that went up on autosport.com, it doesn't sound like he's too angry about it, should we say. He probably saw it coming. No, no, we, I was able to speak to Sam as he, he was on his way to the airport to, to head back home. And uh, no, he, he, was, he, was, he was quite philosophical about it. I mean, you, I sensed a certain level of frustration because he compared it to uh, uh, the incident between uh, Lotterer and his teammate Jean-Éric Verne in Santiago last year, where uh, Lotterer went into the back of Verne and pushed him along. Uh, and, you know, there was, no, there was nothing given. In that, in, in that situation, it was completely different because there was no consequences. Verne was able to carry on and they ended up uh, finishing 1-2. So I think he was a little bit frustrated that it's a bit like it was the outcome that was penalised rather than the move itself so if, if Lotter was able to carry on he, he, you know, there wouldn't have been this sort of incident um, but yeah he, you know, he, he said it was very very unfortunate uh, if he was very sorry for, 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 for Lotter he, he drove a great race um, and yeah it's just a shame, shame for Sam really because like you say um, like, like we said it was only that mistake and, and the one where he let him through and uh, he, he does still lead the championship he's moved in, in front by one point as it stands unless the penalty uh, somehow gets uh, gets larger um, but it could have been it could have been a lot more with, with both uh, with both Mahindra cars out uh, John Eric Verne not scoring uh, any points either in the other DS cheetah car you know it would have take it would have been a good opportunity for Bird to score uh, healthily in the championship I guess if you're in Sam's position when he was speaking and as we're recording he's still got a sixth place so he has salvaged a result it could have been a more extreme penalty couldn't it obviously Lotterer ended up finished being last of the the finish in 14th so so didn't get anything so that he could look at it and think well yeah I've, I've lost a win but also he has at least preserved some points and he's he's got the championship lead 
Yeah, I mean, if a, if a drive-through had been applied, and I think it was about 37 seconds of drive-through penalty uh, here in, in Hong Kong, that would have put him behind Lotterer in the final results. He would have been down in 14th place. So, uh, so yeah, could have been could have been worse for him. I guess that's one of those ones where you could you could argue that. Well, I guess some might argue there'd be justice in him dropping behind Lotter, or that doesn't matter because Lotter's race is, is ruined. Whatever happens, it's a shame for Lotter, isn't it? Because he's been he's been good since he came into Formula E. Still hasn't hasn't won a race, and it looked like he had this one, didn't it? Well, I mean, it was here last year where he had a disastrous race, and he ended up with loads and loads and loads of penalties uh, down, uh, you know, for, 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 for various things in that in that event. Um, but he, ever since sort of the European season, well, that Santiago race last year was a real breakthrough moment for him. But certainly, the European Formula E season last year really came on strong, and you could just sense in him towards the end of the year how much he was just yearning for that first first race victory. You know, Lotter was quite critical of Formula E when it went, when it first started, and he wasn't interested in joining it. But now he's come in, he's 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 he's, he's fully uh, indoctrinated in it as it were in a, in a good way obviously um, and again you finally thought he's finally going to do it I've, been, I've tipped him several times this season because we think that DS Tajita package when it's on song uh, is, is probably the class of the field but it's just not come together and he keeps getting involved in penalties or, or the jump start in New York there's always something happens uh, and this isn't the first time in recent Formula E races that Bird and Lotter have collided they came together on the last lap in Paris uh, where, where Lotter ran out of energy and Bird finished with three wheels having driven into the back of him so uh, yeah it's, uh, it's, it's an interesting situation Yeah, we, we've been looking for that clean weekend from Lotter for a while and really had it all the way up until the last couple of laps when we were watching trackside in practice Vern's um, been quite vocal and, and, and credit to him being quite open on where he's not happy with the car and where they're struggling and when you watch the pair of them trackside Lotra seems really at ease knows exactly what he wants from the car qualifying performance was, was quite impressive in the race did everything he could until he gets hit so yeah it just needs to be conspiring against him at the minute Mm. I mean, you say that. What, what, what interesting talking to Vern, sort of both before and after the race, is that he they doesn't have, he doesn't know what's wrong with with the car. He doesn't know why he's not gelling with it and why he's not, it's just not happening in for him this season the way it did last, or, or why he can't they can't replicate that stunning pace we saw in both Riyadh and Marrakesh. It's just it seems to have gone off the boil for the cheetah. Well, it's it's interesting looking at how the season swung because you mentioned Bird's got the championship lead, but we've got four drivers covered by a couple of points with Bird, D'Ambrosio, Degrassi and Mortara really tightly together. That Obviously, that, I guess, could yet change depending on, on proceedings, but it, it's been a pretty unpredictable season so far, hasn't it? And I guess, in a way, it's quite unpredictable that we've got Mortara winning because he's a driver who probably hasn't got the results we expected him. And he's had a, is it Hong Kong last year he made his debut? Um, and, you know, he'd not picked up the results we'd have hoped, but evidently he quite likes racing in that part of the world because he's won the Macau Grand Prix over the water. Uh, a couple of times, and now got his first Formula E win in uh, in Macau. And also, that's the first win for Venturi, isn't it? It is. Yeah, they won on the road at, in London in season one, but uh, unfortunately, Stefan Sarazan, who was driving there, got uh, got di- uh, lost the race win to Bird actually because he, he he went to zero energy on the run to the line uh, in Battersea Park. Um, yeah, it, it, hats off to to Mortara. You know, I spoke to him in the paddock after the well after it. it it got out that Bird had got a penalty, but before it was officially, provisionally confirmed that that happened, um, which is the situation as, as we as we record. Um, he wasn't over celebrating the win. You know, it's a bit like uh, when I spoke to Dilbag Gill, the Mahindra team boss, back in Marrakesh when D'Ambrosio won only because Vern had spun and then the BMWs collided. You know, they're sensible, sensible motorsport people. They're not going to overly celebrate uh, someone else's misfortune. Um, but, you know, hats off to Venturi. They've, they had a really tough start to the year. Do you remember the first lap in Saudi Arabia where Mortara ended up in the barrier because of braking problems? And there's all sorts of powertrain issues in, in Marrakesh. And, it, you know, it all, all came good last time. It was on the post 
podium in, in Mexico, said it was, you know, like Christmas, and now now he's a, a race winner. Um, a year too late, really. He should have won uh, this race last one of the one of the Hong Kong races last year, but unfortunately, uh, dropped it while he was while he was leading late on. Uh, yeah, he said he learned from that mistake and, and, and he's come back stronger. And obviously, like I say, he's uh, he's pretty rapid round here. Uh, Susie Wolf was very pleased. Her first uh, victory as a team principal, um, and I think it's maybe slightly unexpected. I think maybe they were thinking it was going to take a little while longer uh, to get to be in regular contention for victories but it's come along now um, and as you say the championship is just mightily close there's a lot of a lot going on there because with the qualifying rules the way they are and the, the leaders in the championship going out in group one and constantly being hamstrung and having to put pull together mighty laps like we saw from from Sam Bird and Lucas Degrassi in particular today in, in the wet conditions and it's worth pointing out actually that uh, beyond the, the, the red flag and the disruption that we actually saw there was a concern this time yesterday that it was going to be the wet weather that we that hit Hong Kong this weekend that was going to disrupt the race uh, in that event it didn't um, so yeah you know really unpredictable I mean it, this time last year Vern and, and Chichita had got into the, the lead of the championship and they never let it go obviously Audi ended up pipping uh, Chichita at the last but here it's just impossible to say who's going to win I mean who do you reckon is going to win the championship Tom? That's the big question, isn't it? It's Sorry. like it's like every single race weekend we sit down and go, who's going to be on pole? Who's going to be race winner? Have we got any of them right so far? No, no, absolutely none of them right so far. So yeah, I guess a good idea of our predictions in terms of winning the championships. We'll say now, Bird has been a nearly man. Well, every single year, really. Yeah, you, you look at it now and you'd say he's he's got the best chance he's had really. In that the car seems to be the package seems to work really really well. He seems to be driving it the best he has been in in Formula E. But yeah, as we've seen every time, all it takes is one weekend, particularly with the qualifying format, that if you start you know, 20, 20th, 15, even as high as 10 sometimes and get caught up in one incident, you can find yourself tumbling right out of contention. So it's very, very hard to call session by session, let alone championship. Yeah, and it does seem to have massively swung with the weekends. Obviously, we saw Mahindra, both drivers have been going strongly. They had a terrible weekend. Both drivers out early on collected uh, Nasa when he, when he went off. Uh, near the start and then we've seen John Eric Verne having all sorts of uh, troubles this season obviously Lotterer could have won didn't they're down in 10th and 11th the championship we've we had BMW starting strongly it, it doesn't seem to have, have settled does it because you know you, you can't sort of say well that's that's definitely the the package to have even though there have been times where it looks like one team or another is, is going to kind of achieve primacy as it were mm. I don't think we've I still don't think we've seen a proper green flag run even in Santiago where he was sort of, sort of minimal disruption um, there, there, there were still full, full course yellows and things happening and then it was the temperatures there that were the issue rather than any sort of energy efficiency uh, coming out so the picture is still not crystal clear I still think DS to Cheetah, Audi, Audi and Virgin, uh, BMW right up there and, and now Venturi joining the fray as well. It was a shame, actually, the way the safety cars fell because with Bird chasing Lotterer, it would have been fascinating to see what would have happened with the with the attack mode because the zone obviously was very tight on the exit of the hairpin. So, you know, if Lotterer had taken it and Bird had stayed out, inevitably Bird would have passed him at that point. But also if Lotterer, if Bird had taken it and lost a bit of ground in an attack, it could have made a really interesting case study for, for the attack mode, couldn't it, given the, the location of it. I was As I was watching the race, I was kind of hoping that would happen, but then it fairly quickly became clear that the, the safety cars were going to prevent that. 
Yeah, and that meant that they ended up mirroring exactly. They took they first attack mode back uh, after the red flag, and then and then again, as you say, at the end of that one of those safety car periods, and it was building nicely. I think Lotterer. I think the only sensible thing to do if you're ahead is just to wait. He, he would have had to have waited for for Bird to go in, and he would have had to take it the next, take it taking it the, the following lap, um, because that just seems to make the most logical sense. You don't want to give up track position unnecessarily. Uh, what we did see was interesting was that uh, Mortara had uh, had used his. Attack mode is his second attack mode activation to get past uh, Stoffel Van Dorn, who ended up retiring with a suspected drive shaft problem for HWA, um, and and he he'd already already burned up all his uh, all his time in the higher power mode. Uh, Degrassi and the guys uh, who were sort of swarming all over him at the end, but they couldn't they couldn't get by the track. Degrassi said it's just too narrow, and he wasn't wasn't you know there wasn't a chance to risk everything. He really said you really had to force a move to get by here, uh, and he couldn't. So Mortara held on, and ultimately that's that's one in the race. And I guess Lucas Degrassi coming through in in second place uh, after the after the penalty, you'd have to say that he and Audi are, are still looking pretty strong, even though obviously like like everyone, it's been an up and down season. Yes, certainly early on, a little bit of inconsistency, little bit struggles of setup probably in Saudi Arabia and and maybe sort of track specific things coming into play. Um, but they certainly have, have come on strong in the last couple of races. But we still haven't seen sort of what what was happening last year, where they were either uh, qualifying at the front and dominating, or they were using a big powertrain advantage. Uh, that's certainly much uh, much closed up. But they're a they're a brilliant, you know, an efficient operation, um, and and all credit to them really. Uh, we should probably talk about Stoffel van Dorn and HWA. Obviously, it's been a difficult start for the team and the driver and, of course, Gary Paffett, who's also coming here in the, the other HWA car. But great performance from van Dorn to get a first pole position, even though it's always going to be hard to stay there. And ultimately, his, uh, his race came to an end. But Paffett was reasonably well up as well, managed to get a few points at the end of it. So it's a good boost for, for that team and those drivers, I guess. Yeah, they're, both H2A drivers have been very consistent in saying that they know that, particularly on the one lap pace, they know they're up there, they're adamant by that, and they didn't really get the chance to show that in Mexico. They had a software glitch, which has been quite a reoccurring problem for them, set up and software, sort of things you'd expect for a, a new team with two drivers that have no experience of Formula E, they're having to go through those teaming problems. And they finally got a weekend, by their standards, a little bit more clean and ability to actually get that crucial data they need to actually build and, and go forward. All right, wet sessions don't massively help on that front, but it's still useful information to bank. And you saw Van Dorn and Pathé prove the point they've been saying all along, that they, they, they have got that pace. Anyway, Van Dorn was saying in Mexico that he doesn't think you can judge HWA until the end of the year because they're always going to have these teething problems. It's there, obviously, as a platform for Mercedes, so that's, in effect, it's the foundation to give Mercedes what they should be judged on. But again, the same problems rear their head with HWA is when they get into the race, it's just that feeling that they're not going to complete it. Something will come up, whether it's software, setup and all the rest of it. And they felt they'd found some good bits of information in the Mexico test. But you know, part of that is a Grand Prix circuit, so how much you can learn there, that's up for debate. So the signs are there and encouraging, but they've got to start putting together weekends clean and show that sort of performance we're starting to see in flashes across a weekend. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's also a sense that, uh, that in, when it comes to race pace, even amongst the team, they don't think that they've got it compared to the others. Uh, but when all things being equal, as we saw in, in qualifying, that those drivers, Van Dorn and Paffett, are of the highest quality. And we saw uh, you know, how they did that with, you know, right up there in group qualifying and then Van Dorn taking the pole position. We should say, Alex, and this is drawing on the, the excellent piece you wrote for allsport.com in the plus subscriber oh, section recently on HWA. It is kind of the advanced party for the Mercedes entry, isn't it? So in a way, it's good that they're using the Venturi powertrain as a, as a customer uh, program this year. But 
this is the chance for the team to work through all these things and and kind of make these mistakes so that hopefully they're not making it in 12 months time when it when it is the Mercedes works operation Absolutely. And one of the HWA team members pointed out to me after the race today, you know, that he feels that they're in a, a stronger position than the Andretti squad were last year, who finished uh, last in the, in, the, in the team's championship and, and are now, you know, won the first race with, with BMW and when a big German manufacturer came along as the works operation. So, you know, I, it's HWA that won the DTM title eight times in Mercedes. So when, and, and Mercedes, as we know, is, is, is phenomenal. We've got their Bricksworth, uh, uh, a power plant producing producing their powertrains and everything so I think it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting to see what they can do next year and Van Dorn obviously is a driver that's got a reasonable following from his well I say success in F1 obviously it didn't go so well last year but Van Dorn is a driver I, I certainly rate highly I think a combination of factors worked against him last year and you know that's made him look a lot a lot worse than, than he actually is so it does seem that he's come into Formula E and established himself as kind of a credible good operator in that series doesn't he seems to have been you know he's not just one of the xf1 drivers who's turned up and, and just sort of sat there as he's he is making an impact well from what i can see anyway oh absolutely you know he was right in there amongst it in qualifying even in the very first race in Riyadh. he's really he's really shone against the clock there because that's that's what like i said that that's where the uh, hwa drivers can show their skill because everything in theory is all equal in qualifying they can all do the same top speed uh, things have come a little bit apart in the races but he's you know as he said earlier when i spoke to him you know things are coming good and there's 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 no despair in the team they just know that he's got to keep learning about the series and, and it will come to them i guess we should uh, talk a little bit about uh, the Nissan team, Oliver Rowland, obviously, he had a uh, a promising race that, that unravelled and Sebastian Bromi obviously was pretty unhappy at uh, uh, how his race came to an end. So that's a team we expect to be up there and that has been up there, but an- another one of those ones that hasn't really put together the season they'd have hoped. Yeah, but when me in the pen was saying, like, he actually said, I'm sick of saying the same thing to you, which is that, you know, it's another missed opportunity. They they'd really, again, both drivers looked good today. I think... Uh, Boemi perhaps didn't get as much out of qualifying as Roland did, and Roland really, really shone there. It was only Van Dorn's lap that was was absolutely mega in the final sector, and he lost the, what would have been a first uh, series pole there. Um, yeah, that that package is looking really strong now. That 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 Nissan package, and I should have, I should have mentioned them earlier when I spoke about you know who we think are the front running uh, powertrains because they're right up in there. They fought for for, for victory for th- what is it uh, three races in a row now? You know, Boemi was 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 leading Santiago when he crashed out. Roland was pressurising Verline all the way through Mexico, and and again and again today he was leading the race. And it's, it's very unfortunate what happened there because I would have uh, I would have I would have liked to to see how he would have got on with the energy, energy management, which he looked like he handled very well in Mexico. Fortunately, as we know, the, the Nissans were running a lap too short. Um, but, you know, he's got it all there. And I, I think there is a feeling that he could have won that race in, in that camp. Uh, one thing I thought it was worth revisiting, because we talked about this quite a lot in the first couple of race weekends, but now we've had five races. We've got a bit of a bigger sample set. But obviously the big concern this season was with losing the the car swaps, which ultimately is a good thing. I was never a big fan of the, of the car swaps. But there was a concern that would create predictable racing. And that was one of the reasons why tap mode has come in. But actually, overall, you know, I've watched I've watched all the races this year, and they've all they've all been very very good. This was probably one of the less eventful ones, and yet there was plenty going on. And it was a a very a very storied race. So I think we can probably be pretty confident saying that Formula E somehow has has got this right. I'd have expected things to have been more stretched out in terms of performance with the with the new powertrains, but they don't seem to to have done so. 
Has, has Formula E lucked it a bit, or is is there some some method in the in in the sort of madness that has has helped keep this championship competitive and, and close despite the the technology being developed? Well, uh, it's interesting you mentioned the uh, the that the, the the Autosport Plus piece that I wrote on HWA that you very kindly commented uh, complimented there, Ed. Um, actually, I think that there was a better one that I produced after Mexico, although you know, both are very good, naturally, you know, modestly, I say, uh, about about the the rules that Formula E have brought in this season. I, I think you've got there's an argument to be made that they are the best in motorsport at the moment because they're doing exactly what they want. That 45 minutes plus one lap format format means that it's just unpredictable. You know, there is the chance, as we saw in Mexico, that teams and drivers are going to get it wrong and they're going to run out of energy on the last lap but it's a combination of that plus the attack mode varying you know it's, it's going to work very well at some tracks and less well at others it's just you know it's that's just the nature of the beast i think paris and the very narrow tracks is going to be it's going to be tricky and it probably didn't work quite so well here you know if if this had been mexico i think degrassi would have got past mortara but because it was so narrow it restricted the effectiveness of the attack mode and also also the group qualifying format it means that the the faster cars is like success palace unless they pull out those mega laps in group one qualifying they're not going to be at the front of the order so it's a combination of all those factors uh, which are producing these excellent races and there's been a, a sensibility to it as well in being quite conservative in the way it's used it's been two activations of four minutes and quite a few drivers have spoken about how they'd like to have a bit more variety you know over that eight uses of one minute and all the rest of it but the point has been very methodical in that we'll do that when we're absolutely sure the concept works and that, that makes a lot of sense because there's a couple of drivers as well who say with the attack mode they're not quite sure if the attack mode is meant to gain you places or lose you places in positioning. You know, there are a few drivers that have talked about where they prefer something to be somewhere else for different reasons. So I think as long as they play it you know, quite slow and look to experiment when they're confident, that's great. I think another factor outside of the new rules that makes a difference as well is just the limited amount of track time. We've made the argument before on Autosport for Formula 1 other series, if you restrict practice time, that reduces predictability and you get that excitement. We have one team was talking to me earlier today talking about how it wanted to really experiment with setup because it felt that's where it was struggling it could make big gains but a mix of you not having time in Formula E weekends and having rain or a factor you can't expect means that you can't go and make those big steps or if you are you're making a huge gamble that could either backfire or spectacularly work as well so there's another combination there to join in with all those new rules and factors that makes the format work really well. Yeah I think that's a good point about the the reduction in preparation time it does mean that the variables are a little bit less managed to be saying it normally would be I guess the one thing with the attack mode that's a little bit frustrating, but I don't think there's anything they can do about it, is the fact that it has now become the thing to do that you use it kind of towards the end of a safety car period. We saw, I think, all but two, was it everyone apart from Abton Friends, maybe, who, yeah, who used it one, yeah. initially in this race? And in a way, you sort of think, well, perhaps it'd be nice they couldn't use it under the safety car, but then I guess you've got the problem there of they have to use it sometime in the race. And if there's a late safety car, you could end up with not having used it, should we say. But is there anything that can be done about that, or do we just have to accept that's going to be the the thing that happens when there's safety cars? I think probably going to have to going to have to accept that for now because. But there has been some occasions this season where you know it look, it, drivers haven't haven't gone for it under the safety car and it's come back to bite them. So I guess all the teams are sort of learning learning together, um, and it do, it does make sense to be able to to, to attack from the off really. Um, so yeah, yeah, probably going to have to accept that. But uh, why, why don't we put it? We'll, we'll ask Formula E next time when we're in uh, when we're in Sanya. We'll, we'll go and say uh, why can't why, you know why can't you ban this under the safety car and see what they've got to say for themselves. There we go. Yeah, drive the news agenda. That's what we like to uh, like to see. Uh, well, I think it's 
pretty late over there, so we should probably let you uh, let you get on because you. Probably, I was going to say get some sleep, but you've probably got some writing to do uh, before that. Yeah, so. Two new stories in the works. Got a plan. The magazine report uh, and jet lag. Oh yeah, oh yeah. We'll we'll have a good uh, three hours sleep before we're woken up by jet lag. Um, <laughs> I'll I'll also probably pass you on the way because I'll be heading off to Australia shortly. So we'll. Uh, We'll probably cross over in airspace somewhere in the in transit. Uh, well, thank you very much for your time, Alex Callanorcus and Tom Errington. And uh, yeah, good luck with uh, unravelling what remains to be unravelled in Hong Kong. Thanks, Ed. Enjoy Cheers. Melbourne. Well, shortly after speaking to Alex and Tom, the matter of the appeal was resolved by stewards, with no further action being taken. So that confirms Sam Bird did indeed finish sixth and does have the championship lead. The Tachita team had appealed on the grounds that the penalty wasn't severe enough, but stewards decided there was no new evidence submitted in the appeal that would justify a penalty of larger than five seconds, stressing that the outcome of the incident isn't a reason for a greater punishment. Alex put together an in-depth story about that on autosport.com, so have a look there for further details of the investigation. And, of course, news from F1 ahead of the season opening Australian Grand Prix, and, of course, from the rest of the motorsport world. Remember to check out the Plus Subscriber section of our website, which features some of the articles discussed in this podcast, and also pick up a copy of Autosport magazine out on Thursday, which will feature more reflections from Hong Kong. And please don't forget to have a look at Sister Titles, F1 Racing magazine out monthly, motorsport.com and Motorsport News out every Wednesday. And if you fancy a flutter, please download the Pit Stop Betting app. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back soon with another Autosport podcast. Music is 6am by Trilo, written by Marcus Simmons. See soundcloud.com forward slash Trilo Music. redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Reach new career heights with University of Maryland's Robert H. Smith School of Business. Flexible MBA and MS options. GMAT and GRE not required. Learn more at go.umd.edu slash smithschool. University of Maryland Smith School of Business. Inspired, fearless, unstoppable. Sports Social Podcast Network.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.